With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Not to revisit the Monday night debacle any more than we need to, but after we talked about it after the game, we both came away a day later with a little bit of more positivity about what happened in that game. And it all comes back to Deshaun Hamilton's drop. Now, the listeners are probably asking themselves, how the hell do you find positivity out of a drop that costs the team four points? Here's my point. If Deshaun Hamilton catches that touchdown, the game is completely different. The Broncos have momentum. They're going to have the Raiders back on their heels. They're going to feel a little bit of pressure for the first time in the entire football game. So I don't like to pin it on one play, but that one play changed how the game went, how the rest of the game unfolded, changed because of Deshaun Hamilton's drop. As you said, Adam, before we started recording, even if the Broncos lose that game, we're having a completely different conversation because they were in it if Deshaun Hamilton catches that football in the end zone. Yeah, I I, um, I think that after sort of taking not even a full 24 hours here to kind of regroup a little bit after that and and some unfair ribbing from some of my eighth grade students who took the opportunity to be as mean as possible about it um the the Deshaun Hamilton drop really does stand out as the moment where uh the game you know the the NFL turning point I'm, I'm not saying that the game completely turned around because of that but just the way that we 
perceive that game changes because of that drop. And so as fans, you can go in one of two directions, really. You can go positive or you can go negative. I don't think you can really be neutral. Uh, I, I know that there are some people in some of the comment sections of things saying, well, this is what we anticipated. This is what was to be expected. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to call that neutral. I'm going to call that the negative side. If you were expecting the Broncos to lose this game to the Raiders and uh, be a bad football team, then you're negative. And if you were expecting them to win and, and blow out the Raiders and be the greatest thing ever, then you're positive. Uh, and, and I don't believe that really you can find the, a realist solution. But when Deshaun Hamilton drops that ball, the, the game changes and then the perception of the game changes. And that I think that's really the point we're getting at here. We, we walk away from that game if he catches that ball feeling like, okay, the offense had some momentum. The offense was putting something together on the field. The offense had found some rhythm. Instead... We walk away from that game going, the offense was terrible. The offense struggled. The offense didn't do what it needed to do to win the game. You can't just kick field goals, and that's true. But you brought up a really good point, and I don't remember the numbers. I think what you said, if I'm, you can correct me on this, 14 plays inside the red zone. Is that Was that the number that you gave me before we recorded? That is the number okay. I gave you, 14 plays inside the red zone and six inside the 10. That's a, That's an insane number to have that many plays inside the red zone that many plays inside the 10 and to walk away with field goals essentially so that the negative side of that is something that that you could certainly talk about with they didn't score they don't know how to finish drives that's a that's a problem and and it is a problem or you can you can go on the positive side and say they can move the football and seemingly they can move the football at will if they had that many plays inside the red zone which tells you if they can figure out a way to punch it in, the Broncos offense could be formidable. Then again, they were playing the Raiders, and I don't know that a lot of people predicted the Raiders to have a very good defense in 2019. That that That's a whole other conversation, I suppose. One of the things that we've talked about on this podcast is that you can be excited about this offense. And I think the way Joe Flacco and the Broncos offense played in the second half especially – you can see that Rich Scangarello started to get into a little bit of a groove with his play calling. He stopped doing those stupid trick plays inside the 10-yard line. I, hopefully he got that out of the way when we heading, heading into the Chicago Bears game on Sunday. Because to me in the first half, you could tell that in terms of the game, it just looked like a team and a coaching staff that was trying to get its its feet set. It was trying to find its ground. And I think that's to be expected on prime time, the last Monday night game, the last game of the first week of the season. I think that's to be expected. And I think when you look at the way the Broncos move the ball offensively, and this is something that really stood out to me, the Broncos only had two three and outs. All the other drives averaged at least 10 plays. As you said, if they can finish drives with touchdowns, they win that football game. Got to punch it in. You know what it reminds me of? And, and as you're telling, as you're talking about this and you're, you're throwing out all those stats, I, I keep thinking about somebody who's climbing down a tree 
or or you know getting down from somewhere and if you've ever gotten down from someplace up high one of the hardest things to do is find a place to to put your feet and it's like when you're when you're able to kind of you know I can put my foot here I can put my foot here I can put my foot here and then eventually you get to a point where you're like all right where's my next foot placement so I can get down and it was like as they were driving into the red zone, they were getting closer and closer, and then eventually they they lost places to put their feet. Your analogy of them trying to find find the ground to me that's a perfect analogy. They looked like a team that that couldn't figure out where to put their feet next so that they could get down from wherever the heck it was that they were, and so they sort of flailed. And when you flail, you kick field goals. And luckily, they have a Brandon McManus who can make field goals, but you don't want to have to rely on Brandon McManus all the time. I think the other analogy of trying to step back, hopefully this will help Broncos fans take a step back from the ledge because there was a lot of overreaction from this game saying that, oh, it's the, it's the, it's going to be the, like the last three years. And as we said, after the game, it's one game, take a deep breath. And I think the best analogy that I saw came from Black Hawk Jeff on social media where he compared that game to major league where you have the hope is up. It's the Cleveland Indians. This is going to be the year they get it turned around. And then the opening, the opening game of the season happens and we suck again. That's right. Yeah. No. Oh, we suck again. We, we suck again. Oh, it's a, it's a little water boy reference to bring it back to football. If if you can. No, I, I think that, the Broncos will be okay. I, I don't think anything changes with predictions at this point uh, unless you're you're going to overreact. And sure, it's an overreaction Tuesday, I guess, is what would have to happen after a Monday night football game. But come back down to earth, take a deep breath, get some oxygen in your lungs, and just remember that after one game, the season isn't over, uh, and, and things are going to happen. Now let me push you a little closer to the ledge, though. Uh, the Broncos are going to be welcoming the Chicago Bears and Khalil Mack into uh, impa- what is it, Empower Field at Mile High Stadium or whatever. Hopefully, the Broncos feel empowered on Sunday. Well, the the scary part about that is Khalil Mack will be if if I, if I'm Chuck Pagano, like you said before we started, I'm telling Khalil Mack, hey, find Garrett Bowles and just line up in front of him the entire game because that's the smart play. I mean, we're not rocket surgeons, but, you know, that's what happens when you don't have a very good left tackle going against an all pro. Yeah, you're 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 in you're in trouble. I expect I fully expect Garrett Bowles to plop it out there and expect it to perform. Uh, And and I'm not sure that he's going to hold it. Oh, he'll hold. He'll hold on. Is he going to plop it and then hold it? He'll, He'll hold on. You know he's 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 good at holding on to things. That's just that's his skill set. What does Garrett Bowles do well? Well, he he's he's a little grabby at times, uh, but he really he can really hold on to things. He can really really. If you need somebody to hold something, you would call Garrett Bowles. Hey Garrett, can you hold this for me? Sure. And he's got it in his hand, and he'll never let go. I just that brings back that joke. I, <laughs> Garrett Bowles, hold my beer. Okay. <laughs> it's 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 such a good joke but uh we do we do get one, to talk one thing about I the bears. Wanted, 
Yeah, go One for thing it. I wanted to touch on before we get to the bear that actually ties in, especially the last two years, what we've seen from the Broncos is they start quick. And then after like the first four to six games of the season, they completely fall off. Yeah, they collapse. They crumble. Because the rest of the league figures it out. They figure the Broncos out. And the coaching staff couldn't make adjustments. I get that this is only the second game of the season, but I want to see if Fangio and his coaching staff get their footing and can actually make some of the adjustments that they know they need to make heading into Sunday's game against the Bears. Yeah, no, I love that idea. You know, it reminds me of when I think back to when the Broncos beat the Cowboys in that uh, in that stomping of a game uh, a couple seasons ago, and uh, that was this, this huge, like, look how good this team is going to be. And and I think even we had to talk about how good uh, Trevor Simeon was at one point because of that game, which was a huge anomaly. And then after that game, the Broncos fell apart, which is exactly what you're talking about. I think what you're getting at now is the reverse order of that, which I would be totally fine with. Can Vic Fangio and his coaching staff turn things around and there's some incentive there for Fangio as well because he's going up against his former defense he's going to want to prove that he can he can outsmart them outfox them and I see what you did there yeah thank you I appreciate that <laughs> it was it was subtle it was it was subtle and and also I think that the Broncos are going to they're going to want to play well at home and they're going to want to sort of make up for their debacle on Monday night. And there, there's a lot of things there that come into play that aren't necessarily on the field aspects of the game that will contribute to the outcome of the game. One of the things that we've heard said over the last less than 24 hours is that, especially on defense, it didn't seem like Fangio had a plan. And our and my high reports Jeffrey Esfri actually had a quote of a of a, a a clip of a play where the play is exactly what Fangio is is what he calls. There just wasn't execution. So I think that was a huge part of at least on defense. A big part of the problem for the Broncos on Monday night was execution. So I'd like to see if execution is going to get if it will be better on Sunday against the Bears yeah I I like that I I have a question for you and it's it's on topic but it's off topic on defense what player on the defense is usually the one who makes the calls gets the defense in position and and has has the team ready to ready to play on the field you know like the the defensive quarterback if you will that would be your middle linebacker. Your middle linebacker. So you would you would say, if I asked you, that middle linebacker is an important position in football. Yes. Okay. It's a, a very important position. So it's I, very, I very important. That's not just important, but very important. You use the word "very" there. Very is a is you know it's it's a, you're, you're adding on a, an emphasis there. I like that. So it's very important. What would you say is a position that John Elway does not think is that important based on what you've seen from his drafting and his free agent signings? Offensive line. Oh, you were Come looking on. at middle linebacker. Yes, I was. So, yes, that also. But offensive line and then middle linebacker. And it, I, I am just baffled by it. I'm baffled by it. 
But this is where we are. And I would I would think that John Elway would figure this out by now. That, I'm a little bit concerned about that going into this game especially. The other thing to keep in mind with all this is your starting middle linebacker didn't play. Todd Davis wasn't on the field. So the guy who's usually going to get the calls didn't get the calls because he wasn't on the field. Yeah, but so he, hasn't, I think, he hasn't been on the field since the first practice of the preseason. True, but he's still your defensive leader. He's still going to be the guy who is able to get the guys rallied around him because Josie Jewell is just a second-year player. That's not – I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say Josie Jewell isn't a leader, but he's not going to get the same kind of belief or trust that a Todd Davis is going to get. So I think that's one thing to keep an eye on over the course of the the next four or five days is whether or not Todd Davis is able to is able to practice because if he is, that could be a big a big difference for getting the calls in and getting guys in the position that they need to be in. And the other guy on defense that I think will make a huge difference so that we don't ever have to see Isaac Yadam again is Bryce Callahan. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, we and you know I I think I tweeted out at one point Isaac Yadam ain't it. And that got that got more likes than I wish than than it than it should have because he wasn't it. Poor Isaac Yadam was not it during that game. I, you know, yeah, missing Bryce Callahan's big missing. Yes, but even still, the middle linebacker is so important. And Todd Davis, I, I'm I'm not maybe I'm not even on that train yet. I'm not quite on the Todd Davis bandwagon as well. I just feel like there were opportunities there that were missed. One of those opportunities that might have been a miss for the Broncos is going to be across, you know, across the field from Joe Flacco and Roquan Smith. And you know how I feel about Roquan. I'm a big fan. And so I'm a little nervous about this game because that's a good defense with a lot of talent that the Denver Broncos are going to be playing against come Sunday. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. So let's get into the the keys to the game. What what do the Broncos need to do to to win the home opener, to get to get that bad taste of Monday's game out of their mouth. What what do the Broncos need to do? So for me, the key to the game is 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 about game planning, and we and we uh, we've sort of touched on it already. But but especially on offense, there needs to be um, there there needs to be a game plan that's stuck to, and uh, it can't be cute. It can't be uh, you know sort of you can be cute and 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 do some of those fun and innovative plays maybe in the middle of the field. But when you're getting down to the red zone, the plan needs to be: what are our best plays that give us a chance to score? And 
you know, running a, a, a jet sweep with your tight end isn't going to do it. Um, you know, cutesy plays. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a fan of. So on offense, the game plan needs to be a little more straightforward, uh, especially when they get into the red zone. Three or four plays. What are the three or four plays that we are most successful at that will get us into the end zone? And let's execute that. And then it becomes execution as well. Whereas on defense, I do think it's it's game planning. I think they have to come up with a plan to contain Mitch Trubisky to. Uh, to ensure that the running backs, they've, they've, I mean, they've got three. You know, you've, you've got Cohen, you've got the, the rookie Montgomery, who was my pick for offensive rookie of the year. And then what was the name of the guy that they were they ran too much? Was it Mike Davis or Mike Bush? or I can't remember his name. Uh, but they gave the ball to him too much in their season opener from what I've heard out here in the Chicagoland area. And so there's, there's offensive weapons that they're going to have to contend with. And we'll have to see because Matt Nagy does have a game plan. He is a head coach with experience, and they did win a lot of football games last year. And for me, my key to the game is no surprise, red zone offense. As we talked about, Joe Flacco and the Broncos offense moved the ball fairly well. As we said, they only had two three and outs, and the other drives averaged 10 plays per drive. But once they got inside the 20-yard line is when it went to hell. So basically my key to the game is more touchdowns. Don't. Score touchdowns, you win the game. That's right. Don't drop the ball in the end zone and you score touchdowns. So my key to scoring touchdowns is Deshaun Hamilton catching the ball instead of dropping it. That would be that would be nice. Uh speaking of Deshaun Hamilton, who are our players to watch uh, offense, defense, special teams. Let's, let's, let's get into that. I'll start on defense and I'm going to go with the orange rush of Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. And I think people were a little bit hard on them since they didn't show up on the stat sheet and the Broncos not only didn't get any sacks, they didn't get any quarterback hits. I think a big part of that was how quickly Derek Carr was getting rid of the football because there are a couple of instances where both Von Miller and Bradley Chubb blew up the guys who were blocking them, but Carr got rid of the ball so quickly that they weren't able to get to him. The only way you could have hit him is you would have gotten a roughing the passer penalty and you would have had 15 yards tacked on to the end. So I want to see if Fangio is, is able to make, here's that word again, an adjustment to allow Von Miller and Bradley Chubb to get pressure, but also get pressure up the middle from Shelby Harris or Mike Purcell or Derek Wolf or Adam Gotsis, not necessarily on the interior, but maybe you can stunt the two of them to go inside the A or B gap between the center and the guard to get to Mitch Trubisky. Because if you pressure Mitch Trubisky, he's going to make mistakes and he's going to throw interceptions. So that, to me, those are the two players to watch. Is, is Von Miller and Bradley Chubb to get after Mitch Trubisky. And hopefully we're able to see a little bit of an, an adjustment because, as you said, Vic Fangio is going against his old team. He knows Matt Nagy's offense. So let's see if he has anything drawn up to try to, to get after Mitch Trubisky and maybe throw a, a wrinkle or two at Matt Nagy. Yeah, I like that. I'm uh, I'm going to go on the back end of the defense for my players to watch, and uh, I, I think it's just the entire secondary. Um, th- they didn't necessarily get torched. I'm not going to say they got lit up, except for Isaac Yadam, obviously. But they, they didn't look good. And if you've got 
uh, if you've got a quarterback who knows he's got to get rid of the ball quickly and right away, then the defense needs to, the, the secondary needs to figure out a way to make it difficult for the quarterback to do that, to give the the defensive line and the and the pass rushers an opportunity to get home. And and it's it's not it's it's a split second, right? It's 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 not a forever thing. It's you just have to be in coverage long enough that you can force the quarterback to wait just that one moment so that Von Miller can get that extra step or Bradley Chubb can get that extra step or the push up the middle can can force the quarterback outside the pocket and into the waiting arms of Bradley Chubb or Von Miller or whoever might be there. So you have to be able to cover your receivers. And I, and I wonder if maybe it was a little bit of scheme against the Raiders. The 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 new defense plays more zone. And in a zone in a zone defense there are going to be holes. And so I wonder if and here's that word again, if Vic Fangio makes an adjustment with the defensive backs and you see a little bit more man-to-man coverage or a tighter a tighter coverage in zone, which I don't know what that would look like. Somebody who uh, can can do some more video analysis might be able to, to tell me more about that. But some way to give the defensive line and and the pass rushers just that extra step, right? That that one extra split second that would give them time to get home and disrupt the pass or get to the quarterback and get the sack something that's going to disrupt the timing of the Bears offense. So again, it's it's collaborative football. We've talked about this a lot. You know, you complementary the defensive line and the the defensive secondary have to complement each other and it didn't look like they did that against the Raiders. So can they do that against the Bears? On offense, I'm going to go with Joe Flacco again because I I actually like the way that he threw the football on Monday. I like the way that he attacked the middle of the field because as we've been talking about on this podcast, that's what we've wanted to see for three years to finally have a quarterback who's willing to throw it over the middle. And you have a weapon in Cortland Sutton. He showed he's going to be, he's going to be a, a viable weapon for Joe Flacco to use on top of Emmanuel Sanders outside. So I, I'm going with Joe Flacco. He's going to be his first home game as a member of the Denver Broncos. It's going to be his first trip to Empower Field in the Orange, which is going to be just a bizarre sight after what happened in 2012. So it's, I'm actually looking forward to to seeing what Joe Flacco does in his first home game. And to me, he's my player to watch because if the Broncos are able to move the football and he's able to lead the offense like he did on Monday and they're able to get it into the end zone, you're going to put yourself in a position to win the football game. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, th- there's several ways uh, or several places I could go for my players to watch. I could talk about the offensive line and, and Garrett Bowles and, and, and can they put together a successful game, especially – with some concern, some injury concerns, right? So there's there's a little bit of that on on the right side of the of the line with uh, Juwan James, who had I, an MRI who, who on had a, Tuesday. Did, did we? Then, I'm sorry. Do we have the results? I might have missed that. No results I, at this point, right? We I haven't seen any results come okay. in, but we did know that he had an MRI, and Ryan Konigsberg with BSN had a source say that uh, the Broncos are. Uh, fearful that it's not good and that's on top of tim patrick breaking his hand and he's going to have surgery so he's going to be out six to eight weeks 
So that gets you up to speed on the injuries on offense. And and the Tim Patrick injury actually plays into the conversation as well because with Tim Patrick's injury, that's an offensive weapon that disappears. Uh, I, I could talk about Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman in the running game. Uh, I could talk about Cortland Sutton because he had a pretty big game. I think he was – uh, he was the security blanket for Joe Flacco. You can talk about the rookie Noah Fant, but the, the person who, or the player who I think is the, the player to watch is going to be Deshaun Hamilton. With the Tim Patrick injury, that's, a, that's an extra guy that you lose that now Deshaun Hamilton becomes that much more important. Can he bounce back? Because the, the truth is that was a pretty horrendous drop in the end zone against the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Can he bounce back? Can he have an impact on this game against the Bears at home in the home opener uh, for the Broncos looking for their first win of the season? And maybe that's more of a, I just want to see see him be successful and, and bounce back from a, from a big issue. But also, if he has a big game, then Joe Flacco's having a big game and the Broncos offense is having a big game and they're scoring points and they're probably winning that game. So what's your prediction? Ooh. Uh, as as far as a score prediction, I actually have the Broncos winning. Uh, it's their home opener. I, I have faith in the adjustments that, that uh, Vic Fangio and his staff are going to make. Uh, I don't think it's a high-scoring game. I'm looking at 17-10 to 10 Denver uh, in a bit of a nail-biter. I'm going to throw a stat out there. Uh-oh, stats. You know how I feel about them. So in – all-time, the Broncos' all-time record in home openers, including a 17-1 and mark in its last 18 games at mile high. The Broncos are actually undefeated in home openers after week one since mile high opened in 2001. Really? So the Broncos have lost one home opener. At the current Mile High Stadium. Oh, tell, tell me that the coach was John Fox. Was it John Fox? It was, and it was <laughs> against the Oakland Raiders. I knew it. <laughs> so I, I'm actually going to go with a, a Broncos win just because they're at home. The Broncos don't lose at home, knock on wood, early in the season. I yeah. mean, there is a time where the Broncos didn't lose at home ever. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Broncos win. I, I think the the Broncos are going to are going to be able to to punch it in in the red zone more than they did on Monday. I think the defense is going to be a little bit sharper. So I, I think the Broncos are going to win twenty to seventeen. Okay, similar similar scores. All right, I, I like that. I'm cool with that. Uh, I have a question for you that just popped into my head. I, I live in the Chicagoland area. Everybody knows this. I say it often. Um, so I know a lot of Bears fans. I also know that Chicago fans travel really well. They, they like to leave Illinois as often as possible. How full will the stadium be of Bears fans in Denver on Sunday? It'll be, I think, 5%. So you don't think there's going to be a, a, a panic selling of tickets by season ticket holders, people who decide they don't want to go to the game. This team sucks. They're terrible. I'm not going to watch this. I'm selling my tickets. You don't think that's something that uh, that Broncos country has to worry about? No, I think they saw what happened in Boulder last Saturday when the Buffs played Nebraska. 
So hopefully that will serve as a uh, a reminder to not sell your tickets for the home freaking opener. Yeah, that was uh, it was rough, but also enjoyable. Um, that I have to say about the, the the Buffs win against Nebraska. That that is one of the things that I enjoy more than anything else in sports is when when the Colorado Buffaloes beat the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And for most of my childhood growing up, it never happened. Maybe happened a couple of times. I mean, it was almost never. And so it's enjoyable. And as I recall, this is the third year in a row. It's been it's been fun as someone who attended CU uh, for a couple of years. And I say attended loosely. I did a lot of skiing when I was there. But uh, it was fun to watch. And it was also fun to just to just get into some Twitter fights with morons out there who can't seem to let things go. I didn't even go to see you and I, I loved anytime the buffs beat the men of corn. I, I, I love it. I, I just, it, it's always a great day when the buffs beat the corn Huskers. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.